Yo. So good to be with you guys here tonight. My name's Adam, if I've never met you guys before. I'm the church planting resident here at Mountain View Community Church. And this May, we're planning on finally moving. Been here two, almost two and a half years. This May, plan on finally moving to Denver with, honestly, <laughs> with a number of people in the room will be moving to help us do it. So really, uh, really exciting to, to do that. But I'm also really excited about this series, Dating, Singleness, Marriage Slash Sex. It's a fitting one, Marriage Slash Sex. Um, because this, this kind of like really matters. This is why we do this every single year. I met my now wife as a freshman. We started dating, I think, second half of freshman year. Dated all through college. And then we had two babies. Then we had two babies. <laughs> so there's a lot riding on it, guys. I'm just saying. You're dating right now. People could come into the world if you do it right. Okay? I'm totally kidding but not fully kidding. So tonight, we're talking about probably the one I would think that's most relevant to some of y'all's situations, dating. Whether that means you're dating somebody now or you're thinking about dating or honestly just some of your friends are dating. It's kind of like the stage of these topics that is probably touching the most people, right? We're talking about dating. And it's kind of harder now, honestly, post-pandemic, post um I mean, post-technology, honestly, it's harder. I was reading some stats about this, and about 20% of relationships now start online. Uh, with my generation, it was not 20%, and now it's 20. And, and a lot of people these days, especially in studies and stuff, are saying that dating's just harder now. I don't know if that's the isolation driving that or what. And so it's an important topic, and I was kind of stressed because the Bible, like there's nowhere in the Bible where it's like, and when you date, thou shall be chill, or you know, whatever it is. It doesn't say anything. <laughs> It doesn't say anything about dating in the Bible. And so that, I was kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't just like take a chunk of the Bible and just like talk through it. <clears throat> so then I start reading through the narratives of the Bible. You know, between 60 and 75% of the Bible is actually story, historical narrative. And, um, and so I go to like the beginning of the Bible, like the first kind of romance that I could find. I, I, the way I figured the first one is, you know, Abraham has a son, Isaac, and Isaac needs a wife. And this is kind of like the first kind of romance story. And Abraham's like, go, he goes to his servant. He's like, go to my, the land of my kindred and find my son Isaac a wife. Don't get a wife from around here. Get it from my hometown. And his servant's like, okay. And he goes, and the servant goes, Lord, I want to be successful for my master here. Isaac needs a wife. May whatever woman you want for him, may she offer to give my camels water. It's like, okay. Gets there, meets Rebecca, who, by the way, ends up becoming Isaac's wife. She's pulling up water. And he's like, hey, can I have some water? And she goes, yeah, you want me to water your camels too? And he's like, oh. And, and so then, no, no joke, then he goes, can I stay with you tonight, with your family? Goes, the servant goes with Rebecca, meets Rebecca's dad, a guy named Bethuel. And, and he goes, hey, Bethuel, I came from Abraham. He's your kinsman. I've come all this way. I'm trying to find his son, Isaac, um, a wife. And I pray to God, let the one who drinks the water from my camels feast, feast my water, camels to the water, whatever. Let her be the one. And she did it. So can I take Rebecca home? This is literally what he says. Can I take Rebecca home? And Bethuel's like, sure. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Read it. He says, sure. Well, he doesn't say sure. He says, yeah. And, and, then, and then two verses later, Bethuel goes, wait, let's ask Rebecca. <laughs> and then he goes, and so then he goes, ask Rebecca, do you want to go with this guy? And she's like, I will go. You know, and then she goes, and then the rest is history. And I'm like, 
dude, there is nothing here that's like prescript. There's nothing here that's like, hey, do this. You know what I mean? It's like all what not to do. It's like, what if we take the students to a zoo and like find the camels? Like there's just nothing here, you know? But before we talk about the passages we are going to be in, we really need to talk about what dating is. Okay, for Christians, for Christians, dating is not an end of itself, an end in and of itself, okay? It leads to something. It's a, there's a purpose in mind for dating. And part of the reason, by the way, the Bible doesn't talk about dating is because they didn't have it. Everything was arranged marriage or, or different types of marriage like that. Nobody's like, you know, doing this dance that we have in today's culture to try and find out who might be a good spouse. That's why the Bible doesn't talk about that. And so, but now in today's culture, this is what we do. And for Christians specifically, for Christians specifically, dating is not an end in and of itself. It leads, maybe, to marriage. And marriage is really important in the Bible. According to the Bible, the universe was cold and dark and without marriage until God put it in the universe, okay? And he actually says in the Bible that I put it there for a reason. In the New Testament, we see that marriage, the Bible's designed for marriage, is actually meant to reflect Jesus's relationship to his people, that devotion, that love. It's meant to be a sign, help you understand it, okay? That's, that's one of the major important things about marriage in the Bible. And so for Christians, dating is the patient, prayerful process of exploring a potential spouse. Look, that doesn't mean you walk up to someone, you're like, yo, are you going to be the one I need to be one with? Like, don't, it, like, it, let it take time. It's supposed to take time. It's one of the best parts. Don't rush it, okay? And dating is meant to lead to discernment for Christians, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Dating for Christians is meant to lead to discernment. It's the path to God's gift and design of marriage, okay? It's the path that we step on for that. So then, how do we date well? Because that is going to impact us a lot. It's going to impact our future potentially. I mean, now at 34, I've seen a lot of people date, a lot of people get married, and now by the time I'm 34, I've seen a lot of my friends divorce, honestly. Maybe not a lot, but it's not uncommon. And, and so this, this topic of dating really matters for us. So how do, we, how do we date well? And, you know, even though the Bible doesn't say anywhere, like, dating is this, one of the things that the Bible does promise about itself is that it's sufficient for the Christian life. It has everything you need to live a life of godliness. And dating really matters. Like, it's a decision that you need to make, and it impacts your life in a big way. And we know that the Bible is going to give us principles to help guide that, okay? So I got three. I got three. Here's the first one. It's in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. This is Jesus, okay? This is what he says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So here's my first thing, ready? Love God so that you can love people. 
Love God so that you can love people. Look at what he says in verse 37 here. Check with me, Hickox. Look at what he says in verse 37 here. He says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then another version of the gospel is add strength. So what's he saying here? Love God with the fullness of your being, your intellect, your reason, your heart, and your affections, your soul, your spirituality, your mind, your emotions. Every part of who you are is meant to love God. It's, and actually, this is a reference, by the way, to the Old Testament what Jesus and the Jews held as also God's word in the same way that we hold the Old Testament and the New Testament as God's word now. He's referring to Deuteronomy 6, which is what's called the Shema. In fact, a lot of faithful Jews actually said this daily, and he quotes it. And this is when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. Okay? And, and look at how he describes it. 38, look at what he says. Great and first. This is the great commandment, and it's the first commandment. Why? Why is this the great and first commandment? The reason, I think, is because you were designed to worship. You're going to worship something. Maybe some of you all are, are familiar with the famous, he's actually an atheist uh, fiction writer, uh, David Foster Wallace, said that everyone worships, doesn't matter what you believe. Everyone's a worshiper. And because of that, because of that, it's important that we worship God first and above all things, not other things. It's, it's important that we worship the creator first, not his creation. It's important that we worship the giver of gifts, not the gifts. This is why, one of the reasons that this is so important, and the reason is no nothing's going to satisfy you like God. I mean, he literally created all these things and designed you to be satisfied in him and to have joy in his created things, but not to find your meaning in him. And everything breaks when we try, and we do try, every single one of us. Because his creation is so amazing, and sometimes we get tempted to put it up on a pedestal and get our meaning of life from it. But there's nothing that can satisfy you like God. That amazing person, maybe you are dating or maybe you want to date, that amazing person can't satisfy you. They can't satisfy you because they're not God. They're created by God. We can't find satisfaction in God's creation the way we can in the creator. And if you try, if you try, that's not fair to them. If you try and put, I mean, you're, you're acting like they're God. Like, what, what, are you, what are they supposed to do? Fulfill every single want, every single desire, bring your meaning, bring your purpose? Like, that's so unfair to someone to do. And like, no one's going to say that. I mean, maybe they'll say it like uh, implicitly, like sometimes you hear this when people are like, they're my soulmate. Or somebody's like, you know, they complete me. That's like they're God, not creation. They're creator, not creation when, you, when you're saying that kind of thing, okay? We, as Christians, we don't believe that. As Christians, only the creator is the creator. And it's unfair to them to do that to them. And so an example of this that's actually really common um, is codependency. It's especially common like when you first start out dating. And this is, uh, all codependency is, is excessive reliance on a relationship or a partner. So if we're talking about dating here, we're talking about like, code, if you're codependent, you're like, I want to be wanted. I need to be needed. And you're just like, it almost comes off uh, almost like a clinginess where you're spending so, 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 so much time together because all, you're, you're trying to get all your needs satisfied with this person and it becomes 
I mean, maybe obsessive is too strong a word, and maybe it's not. Okay, codependent. You can't be away from them. You know, it's like, it's like they're like your bottle of water. Codependent. It's kind of a manifestation of, of putting somebody up on a, on a pedestal, honestly. It's kind of a manifestation of, of an unhealthy order of loves in your life. Codependency. And, and I, I mean, I, I was codependent for a while. And so, like, it's one of these things that we just need to ask ourselves and, and some of these other things we're going to get to to help us see. You know, this is the couple maybe that disappears. You know, you got, you got good friends, and then they start dating. I remember one of my great, this happened to one of my great friends. He's like one of my best friends. And the girl is this amazing girl. They both go to our church, and they start dating, and they were gone. It's like, this dude doesn't even exist anymore. He's just gone. And, and I was like, and I was mad because I want, he's my buddy, and he's like just gone. And I know what he's doing. I know he's with her. And I like her too, but it's like, yo, like, this is nuts. And I mean, I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't verbalize myself quite that eloquently back then, but it was, it was just so clear what had happened. And it was frustrating to me, as frustrating to some of our other friends, but eventually, by God's grace, they repented. And, you know, some really challenging stuff happened for them during that period. But they did repent, and now they have babies, so God is good, amen? But at the end of the day, that's, that, can be, that can be a sign. I mean, you're, they're with you. I mean, it's, it's, one, it's normal for like some hours to start getting devoted to this person they're interested in. But if they're gone, it's something that you as a friend should potentially think about lovingly intervening about. Lovingly intervening about. Codependency. Love, <clears throat> love God so you can love people. Which is why, by the way, which is why, I mean, with this codependency thing, this is why loving God is God lets you love people the way that you should. Because you're treating them in line with what they actually are. You get what I'm saying? This is why loving God first allows you to love people rightly. Practically, you're like, well, what, do you, what do you mean love God? Like, what, what, how? So practically, we're talking about relationship with God, right? I mean, it's not that different than your human relationships, honestly. Like, you, we're talking about time spent. Time spent with God leads you, stirs your affections for God. Yeah, you talk to God the way you talk to a person. You know what we call that? Prayer. You hear from God the way a relationship talks to you. You know where we can hear from God? His words. This is one of the reasons why the Bible is called God's word. And honestly, it's going to be the main way you hear from him. And that's part of the reason why he gave it. How do we pursue a relationship with God that's rich and right, time spent speaking to him, hearing from him, being among his people. One of the things that happens when you become a Christian is God's spirit actually comes to live inside of you. And so being with God's people actually allows you to get to know God to a degree. Being with God's people, the, the full diversity of them and all the different gifts and all the different loves and all the different ways he made people starts to let you see a little more of God. So being with the church, that is just God's people, that's all the church is, lets you, it stirs your affection for him. It stirs your affection for him. These things cultivate an affection for God. It starts with knowing about God. It starts with knowing about him, but you eventually start to feel it too. Like emotionally, the way you do with other relationships. Like, when we're talking about loving God with all, of your, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 
Maybe it starts with mine, but as you begin to get to know God, it stirs your emotions too. And you come across stuff in the word, like, like in Zephaniah 3, where it says, it literally says, God sings over you. I mean, you can, you can feel that. It says in his word that he sings over his people. God's a singer, apparently. And he sings over you. It stirs your affection for him. Let you understand who he is and what he's about. You feel it. And you know, um, God is love itself, actually, the Bible says. God is love. Literally, that's a passage. And so when you're loving God, when you're attached to the source, you're going to bleed the same blood. When you're attached to the vine, you're going to grow the same fruit. When you're drinking from the fountain, love is going to flow out of you like water when you're attached to the source of love itself, which is God. And you know what? People, people are going to be attracted to that. They will because it breeds security. When you have a relationship with the creator of the universe and you come to understand that even though you rebelled against him willingly your whole life and he still chose you and he still came after you, oh my gosh, that brings security to a person. When you realize that he knew Everything you were going to do, are doing now, and did do, and still was willing to die for you in the glorious act of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came to earth. Oh my gosh, that makes a person secure, especially over time. And that's attractive. It's attractive when somebody, you know, if you, if you date this person, it's not life or death. You get what I'm saying? Your experience with God your experience receiving love from God and loving God will shape you. And people are going to see it, no matter what they believe. People are going to see it. Um, love God so you can love people, which is why verse 39 is what it is. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God so that you can love your neighbor. He's going to teach you. He's going to shape you. He's going to transform you. Okay? But I don't want you to miss in this text. I don't want you to miss the one who's saying it. I don't want you to miss the one who's saying it. The guy who's saying this is Jesus. John 3.16, perhaps the most well-known, even popular text in the New Testament, says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son because he so loved the world. You want to know what God's like? One of the things Jesus says is, if you know me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is part of why he came, was to reveal God, the Father. Relate to us, be our representative, but also God himself, revealing God himself to us. This is part of what Jesus came to do. And one of the things he says is, there's no greater love than someone to lay their life down for their friends. There is no greater love than that. And that is the gospel. This is what the gospel is. It's a word that means good news. And it's the story of Jesus Christ coming to earth to save sinners who didn't choose him first. And maybe you saw this, but we're talking about love God so that you can love people. Love God so you can love people. There's actually something before that. Did you catch that? There's actually something that comes before you loving God. When, especially when you look at Jesus. You know what that is? Him loving you. 
That comes way before. God so loved the world that he sent his son. This is the heart of the Christian faith. It's the story of the whole Bible. He's the most influential person who's ever lived. You think it's February 16th, 8.53 p.m.? Actually, it's 2,023 years. Eight hours plus 12 hours is 20 hours since a baby was born into the world. You can't escape his influence. Poor brown man born in the Middle East. And then the Bible says when he was about 30, stepped into the ministry that God had called him to do. And we as Christians worship this guy. Don't get it wrong. He's the, he's the center of the Christian faith. And his name is Jesus. That's the gospel. Something comes before you love God, and that's him loving you, which shows you how to love God. We love because he first loved us, First John says. And that allows us to love people. When you're attached to the source of love itself. Understand that God loved you, and you loved him, and that's allowing you to love other people. We're talking about dating, remember? We're talking about dating. This, love God so that you can love people, is so much more important than any 10 pro tips, any blog, any, any, any influencer, any wear this, any say that, smell like this. This is so much richer and so much more important and so much more impactful for a person than any of those things. If you understand this, love God so that you can love people, okay? And, you know, this actually brings me to an important point that really matters, especially at y'all's stage. So, the, the, you know, when it relates to Christians dating or marrying people that aren't Christians, you know, just so you know, the Bible does say that to commands Christians not to do that commands Christians only to, to marry Christians three times, twice in 1 Corinthians and once in 2 Corinthians. I'm actually not going to bring that up. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. You can Google that, okay? I actually want to talk, for those of you who are here today who are Christians, maybe you're exploring. Maybe you're just here with the homies. You don't know what. You're just here. Maybe you are thinking. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you had a bad experience with Christianity growing up, and now you're coming to see maybe that was just a one-off. I want to talk to, to y'all for a second. Because I actually don't want to use the Bible. I just kind of want to, I just kind of want to you know, talk it out. So think about this. When you're talking about a Christian, you're talking about somebody who Jesus has commanded. They're following Jesus. And Jesus, one of the things he says to them is, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay? Romans 12 says, you're to be a living sacrifice if you're a Christian. The fullness of your life Hand it over to God the way he designed. That is the highest life as a Christian. This is what we're trying to do step by step. This thing in our life, this thing in our life, that thing in our life. I mean, go back to Matthew 22. He literally commands us to love God first, not people. Love God first and not people. And so what I'm saying is, if, what I'm saying is with a relationship where somebody's committed to that, and then you have somebody who's not committed to that. Maybe they're committed to something, but that's noble, but not God. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's something, honestly, probably good. 
But when you're talking about somebody who wants to follow God unto death, Lord willing, should they be so lucky if they're doing it right. We talk about somebody who wants to follow God unto death and then somebody who doesn't. You're talking about a fundamental schism, a, a crack at the structural level. That is going to hurt, bro. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, you're going to go separate ways. Like, you're going to be together and it's going to be great maybe for a while. But ultimately, if they're following Jesus and you're not, you're, you're walking into pain that I don't want for you. I don't want that for you. But I mean, you might be like, but yo, I, I, love, I like this person a lot. They got some pretty amazing qualities, and you're telling me I shouldn't date them? What if, this is just me saying what if, what if everything you find beautiful about that person comes from something? What if everything that you love about that person that sets them apart, maybe that even attracted you to them in the first place, is the fingerprints of a creator God trying to draw you to himself. He, he literally, Jesus came to earth and suffered and tortured and died on the cross. You think he's not above using somebody cute to draw you to himself? He ain't, dude. I've seen it like so many times. What if everything that's beautiful about that person came from the author of life? And what if he's drawing you Okay? I just want you to think about that because I'm saying that he is. And consider this your invitation to consider responding in faith. Because if that's what happens, well, now we're talking about two people that are aligned, loving God, now better able to love people together. I mean, one of the God's designs for marriage is unity, one of the purposes of it. All levels of unity, bro. Spiritual, relational, sexual, all of it. It's a unity that is so rich and so deep. I mean, to be fully known, every, they know everything about you. Your weird stuff, your stupid stuff, your bad stuff, your awesome stuff, and they still love you. Gosh, that is life-changing. But it's supposed to start with God. It's supposed to start with God. What if that's what's going on? I just want to submit that to you. First thing, love God so that you can love people. Second thing, so we got two more and they're shorter, I promise. It's in Proverbs, so both in Proverbs. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31 says this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Look, Physical attraction is a great start, but hopefully it doesn't end there, okay? Because anyone who tripped through puberty can feel those feelings, all right? It's like we're back at the zoo, only now we're with the rabbits, not the camels, all right? Hopefully, hopefully it goes farther than that. You might say, why? Shoot for something a little less vain, maybe. What do I mean by vain? It means shallow. That's what the word vain means. It means shallow. It means overly concerned with a person's appearance. But why is physical beauty, if that's the main way, the foundation, the cornerstone in which I'm attracted to someone, why would that be vain? The reason, hopefully, you see, 
is because that's not what most of a person is. Most of a person is not their appearance. Most of a person is not what they look like. Okay? And, and let, me, let me just prove it to you, okay? Right? So let's say, ladies, let's just say, um, I know a guy. He's your age. He's smoking hot. Now let's say, yo, I want to introduce him to him to you about, but there's something you should know about him. He's been physically aggressive with every woman he's ever been with. Turned off. <laughs> Swipe. Like, you don't even consider it. Like, I haven't even said anything. Like, I told you he's beautiful, and then I told you this other thing about his character, and the door is shut. Guys, what if I told you I know the dime of the universe? You're not even going to believe it when you see her, okay? And then what if I told you she's a vicious gossip who slanders her friends and any guy she's ever dated relentlessly? The guy might be like, but can she change though? <laughs> you know, like, this is my point. This is my point. It changes what you think. It changes what you think. Rightfully so. And I just told you one thing about him. One thing about him. So not, if not that, then what? Well, look at what he says about this woman. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Why? Verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Because she's more her character and what she does and what she says than she is what she looks like. The majority of a person, it's a part of them, our bodies, the Bible doesn't hate our physical nature. God put it, made us that way. In fact, in the recreated heavens and earth, it's not some floaty netherverse, it's recreated bodies with a recreated earth with every sin and pain and tear wiped away. God doesn't hate our bodies, but the reality is with us, it doesn't denote most of who we are, which is why Proverbs 31 says, let her works praise her in the gates, because beauty, physical beauty alone is vain. And if you build a relationship on something shallow, it's going to be shallow. And that is not God's design for marriage. He wants you to taste a depth, a richness you didn't even know was there. You didn't even know was there. Okay? How do we date well? Maybe you look for someone who loves God and loves people. And by the way, the second point here from Proverbs 31 is build on your understanding of beauty. Build on your understanding of beauty. How do we date well? Look for someone who loves God and loves people while building on your understanding of beauty. Here's my last one. Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It's a legendary proverb. Let me read it again. <laughs> a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is the third point. Love God so that you can love people. Build on your understanding of beauty and cultivate your community. Cultivate your community. Verse 14. A friend loves at all times, like when you aren't sure, okay? Maybe you're thinking about dating someone. You aren't sure, and you're like, yo, you know, such and such? They're like, yeah, yeah. 
I like her. Why? Thinking about, thinking about asking her out, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to her a few times. She's great. Seems like she loves the Lord. Time to roll the dice, bro. <laughs> Time to roll the dice. What if you're not sure? A brother, a friend, loves at all times. When you celebrate. Times when you celebrate. You come back from the date. You walk in the door, and all your roommates are waiting. They're like, yo, what happened? <laughs> it's amazing. They're made for that, young. They're made for that. When you're dumb. I remember one of my close friends. This is a different close friend. I'm not telling any of my own stories by choice. Uh, this is a different close friend. Uh, I remember he was dating this girl for like a year. He's one of my closest friends. He lived in a different state. He'd been dating this girl for a year. It was going really, really well. She was amazing, so he was saying. And, uh, and, then I, and then he was like, I was coming out to like, it was like his sister was having like an engagement party or something. And so I was coming out to see him, and he's like, dude, I want you to meet my girlfriend, and like, I just want you to tell me if you think like, you know, I should marry her, because I don't know. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? I thought this was like going really, really well. He was like, I just, I just want you, just meet her and just, you tell me. I was like, okay, jeez, like, what's going to happen? Is she like a klepto, like <laughs> stealing all the M&Ms out of the trail mix? And thinking, who knows? She could walk in with Shrek ears? Like, I'm so like, what is this? And I, and I, I, I get there, and, uh, and I meet her, and she's pretty, talking with her, she's funny, talking about her family and her past, and she was amazing. <laughs> And I went back to my friend. I was like, dude, are you the stupidest person who's ever lived or just of this month? Like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I don't know. Like, and he just starts listing all the stupidest, like, most vain stuff. Like, she hasn't read through all three of the Lord of the Rings. It's like, what? I don't, I don't actually think he said that. But, dude, the things people have said to me, honestly, the things people have said to me, it's like, you know, I, I, I empathize. I remember that. I remember being like, what the heck? Is Joni the one, though? Like, really? I empathize. It's, it's, I mean, you're talking about permanence, Lord willing. You're talking about permanence. We're talking about marriage. And so it's freaky. And a lot of times, guys and girls just need, to, just need to figure it out. And they're friends. A friend loves at all times. When you're dumb, I was like, dude, you literally need to propose tomorrow or she's going to realize that you're getting a better deal than she is. I was like, you are out of your mind. Like, let's go. And he proposed. And now they have babies, okay? So it's like, I'm telling you, like, a friend loves at all times. When you aren't sure, when you celebrate, when you're dumb. And a brother is born for adversity. When you hurt. When it doesn't go the way that you want when it doesn't go the way that you want. This is the moment for your brothers and sisters. They're born for this. They were born for this moment. I hope you're not isolating yourself. I hope you're listening to them. I hope they're loving God, then loving you. They were born for this moment when you hurt, when it goes away that you didn't expect. Maybe it has nothing to do with dating. Maybe it's a cloud of depression. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you've stumbled into sin. They were born for this moment. I want you to see it. I want you to see it here. They were born for you for this moment, your brothers and your sisters. And I think probably, I don't know how many people there are, 90, 100? Probably 
there's some people here that need to confess some sin to their brothers and their sisters because they've been hiding. And this is not what you're made for and it's not what they're made for. And I understand. I understand the shame, but don't forget the one who came to take your shame away. Enabling you to step into forgiveness, into the light. The Bible loves this metaphor. Step into the light and let it be exposed. And then let the God of heaven heal you and let him use your friends to do it. A brother or a sister is born for adversity. So let them do their thing. When you hurt, when you're tempted. Love God so that you can love people. Build on your understanding of beauty and cultivate your community. We're talking about how do we date well? Dating should lead to discernment. We don't, we don't date purposelessly. We date with a purpose. It doesn't mean it has to go super fast, super soon, but things should progress. And if they shouldn't progress, then you lovingly bow out. Okay? Cultivate your community. Dating should lead to discernment. And don't forget that when you love God so that you can love people, don't forget that he loved you first. And for you to know that and internalize that is going to make way more of an impact for you, I promise you. This is why Jesus, Jesus says it's the greatest and the first, because he loves you and he wants, he wants you to step into that security that he's handing to you as a gift. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for dating. I thank you for what you use it for, God. Thank you that you have loved us first, and you want to give us the security to be able to step out and date. Because it's not the end of the world if it doesn't go well, because we have you. If a person rejects us, Lord Jesus, we remember that the creator didn't. The creator didn't. You, Lord Jesus, came to us before we ever came to you. Lord Jesus, let us love you first so we can love others better. Mature our understanding of beauty. Mature our understanding of beauty. And give us life-changing friends. Give us life-changing friends and give those friends the courage and the humility, the gentleness and the kindness to love us in every season, God pick us up, to lead us back to you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. We don't take you for granted. In Jesus' name, amen.